it's so good to see you here on Palm Sunday. You know, the very first Palm Sunday when Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, one of the things that happened that day, one of the, for me, the most moving scenes in the life of Jesus was when he looks out over the city. He'd already been up to the temple grounds, looks out over the city, and, and the Bible says that he wept in his compassion over a city that was lost and needy. And this week, with Easter week, reminded of the heart of God, the heart of God, first of all, for you and me, for people like us, every one of us, but also of the kind of heart that we should have for folks in our area who may not know Christ. And so two things about this week that I want to encourage you with. As we enter into Holy Week, our Easter week, just encourage you, I encourage you to receive afresh God's love for you, to know it and to feel it and to experience it. Let Him love you. And secondly, I want to encourage you to be alert for any invite opportunities for these folks that you would have the heart of Jesus that He has for us and He has for all people. So press into those things. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. If you'd pray with me, it'll be on the screens. Full voice. Let's pray with all our hearts. Pray with me now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, it so is. Yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, because you're God Almighty. You're the eternal, sovereign, holy God, and yet you love us as our Father. You've sent your own Son to die for us on the cross. Lord, thank you for grace, forgiveness, and life in Jesus. Lord, I pray that every single one of us in this room, on this campus, would know and receive and experience your great love for us. Lord, we thank you for all our fellow churches, Christ-honoring churches. We know there's just one church in the city, Christ Church. This weekend, Lord, we're praying for Water's Edge down in the Rice University area. One of our church plants, Lord God, their pastor, Dwight Edwards, bless them, encourage them, be with them. Lord, we also think about our partner ministries. And this weekend, Lord, we're praying for Hope Family Cares, the grief ministry of Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins. Would you please anoint it and bless it wildly? We pray to breathe life in the people who are hurting. Papa, this morning we want to bow in your presence and tell you that we love you and we want to love you more. Lord, would you please speak to every single one of us this morning, whatever we need to hear from you. And Lord God, please draw us to yourself, we pray. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Well, for 3,000 years, one of the Psalms that has probably stood out among all the Psalms as being one of the most memorable, the most powerful, the most heartwarming Psalms is the great Psalm 23. And we're spending three weeks on it. Began last week in verses 1 and 2, today verses 3 and 4, and then the week after Easter, verses 5 and 6. Now, our heart in this, studying this psalm, is not that we would uh, hear familiar words and, you know, kind of, oh, yep, got that. Uh, it's not that we know better this psalm. This is what, what, what our goal is. 
is that we would see God the way David saw God in Psalm 23. That we would know God the way David knew God in Psalm 23. That we would love the shepherd the way David loved the shepherd in Psalm 23. That's our prayer. That's my prayer. If you would stand with me, I'm going to read the entire psalm, and we'll come back and unpack the middle two verses. Psalm 23. It's the psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. In the first week, in the first two verses, we saw that the, the shepherd in this psalm is none other than the Lord. It's the Lord who is my shepherd, the, the sovereign almighty God. The Lord is my shepherd, personal, not just our, not just thee. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's the one who takes care of me and protects me and leads me and provides for me. He's my shepherd. He is the one that if I trust him, I will lack nothing I truly need. I shall not want. He is the one who pours out such bounty and goodness upon me every day of my life that is green pastures and still waters. He's my shepherd. Now, David picks up this, this thought of the goodness and the trustworthiness of our God, that we can trust Him. And it continues when he says in verse 3 that this shepherd, that He restores my soul. That word restore can be used in two senses. One sense is that He could go and return, bring back a wandering sheep because some sheep had a tendency to wander off, and they'd get in danger and trouble and, and, and maybe getting eaten by an animal or something. And so the shepherd, the good shepherd, would go get the sheep. If a sheep would continue to wander off and not come back, this is what the shepherd might do. He might, in mercy, kind of snap a leg, put a splint on it, so that the sheep would learn he needs not to wander do you know at times, in His mercy, God might do that for you? He might bring a little pain into your life so you wouldn't wander off so much. And no, it's for your own protection and your own good. Now, that's one sense, to bring back, to return a wandering sheep. But a second sense probably is the main idea here, and that is to restore, as we would say, restore my soul. That is revitalize, refresh, renew, bring life, breathe life into me. It's like God was saying to us as our shepherd. He said, I will restore your soul. I will reach down into the very recesses of your heart where you are so weary, and I will bring life to you. I'll breathe life into you. I'll restore your soul. Now, we need that, don't we? I do. 
Because at times, I know I get weary and burdened with all that life brings us. At times, I have felt overwhelmed and undone, and I need God to restore my soul. At times, I feel guilt or shame. I feel assailed by fears and worries. At times, I feel wounded and hurt by people. At times, I feel alone and rejected. In all of those times and more, I need my soul restored by the shepherd who takes care of me. God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Because there are some things that we try to do to breathe life into a weary soul that don't work. Let me list them. They're not bad things. They just don't touch the soul. Sometimes we look for entertainment or we look for a vacation or even the weekend off. Man, that's going to do it, but it never does it. Or or we look to sports, uh, you know, March Madness, that's fun, but it doesn't touch my soul. All kind of things are good things, but they don't touch the soul of a human being made in the image of God, a human being who's going to live forever. Only God can touch the soul and restore it and breathe life into it. Do you know what Jesus said in in Matthew's gospel? Now, Jesus, when he came, he came and said, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He fulfills every line of this song. And in Matthew 11, he says this. He says, he says to you and me, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we can come to him. We can come to him. And we can receive his rest. Only God touches the soul. What does God use to touch the soul and breathe life into us? Well, several things. He uses times of of solitude and silence when we get alone with God and uh, we we reflect on uh, be still and know that I am God and and, and we kind of turn off the music of the pod uh, of our iPads and our phones and and, and we're silent before the Lord and, and Lord would you let me hear your voice and you soak in his love and receive his love afresh. There are times of worship that uh, can be so, so restoring. It, it won't automatically happen when you're in a group like this, if you're here and sort of zoned out, but if, if you open your heart and you engage with God, He will touch your soul. I, I've mentioned before that during my struggles in my life with mental disease, one of the powerful things God used was this kind of worship where we're singing to God and not going through the motions. God used that to transform my whole view of Him. A third thing, maybe the greatest thing that God uses, is when we open the Scriptures and we live in them and we, 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 we don't just kind of read them or, or brush through them, but we, we, we let them speak to our hearts and we, we, we call out to God and we sort of pray through the Scriptures. In fact, Psalm 19 puts it this way when it says, The law of the Lord, the Word of the Lord is perfect, reviving, restoring the soul. God uses the Word of God to restore your soul. He does. That's why I need it every day. There was a Catholic monk, became a famous writer. His name was Thomas Merton. He's originally born in Spain. He, he lived sort of a wild life looking to something to touch his soul. He ends up coming to Jesus Christ and becomes a Trappist order monk. One day, Or in one of his writings, he writes this about Scripture. He says, 
by the reading of Scripture. I am so renewed that all nature seems renewed. The whole world is charged with the glory of God, and I feel fire and music under my feet. Have you ever felt that? If you read the Scripture, it doesn't happen every day, but if you read the Scriptures with an open heart, over time, this will happen. The whole world will seem ablaze with the glory of God, and He will touch your soul. So, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Or we could translate that, as some do. He leads me in the right paths for His name's sake. In fact, the right paths would include the righteousness paths of the spiritual life, but it includes everything else, every part of life, the right paths, because we need God to guide us because we don't have enough wisdom to know all the landmines out there. So we need God like a shepherd to shepherd us in the right paths. Several years ago, Gail and I had an opportunity to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. That is the largest mountain in Africa, the tallest mountain, 19,000 feet. And I had been wanting to climb it for decades. I, in retrospect, wouldn't do it again for various reasons, too cold, dirty, and not enough showers and stuff like that. But back to story. Um, the reason I wanted to climb this one is because this is about the highest one you can go that's a walk-up, and you don't have to have technical stuff with it. Except there's this one section called the Barranco Wall, and I think it's probably the one depicted in the slide that our team found. And this is the Barranco Wall. Now, you don't have to have a pickaxe and that kind of technical equipment, but it's dicey to know exactly how you're going to get up that wall with your hands and feet. And the only way that we could do it was with a guide going right ahead of us and saying, put your hand here on this rock and then swing your other leg over to this ledge. And he sort of walked us up the 100 meters or so for the Barranco Wall. Now, is that not a picture of what God needs to do for us? Put your hand here. Swing over there. And it's not going to give you the whole map for the rest of your life. But each day, as we depend upon Him, it's the sort of prayer where we say, Lord, I'm not sure about this. What should I do? Lord, please guide me about this. Lord, this to say, I'm not sure what to do. Please guide me. Now, God uses Scripture for much of this leading. In fact, Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And God uses Scripture to tell us so much about the directions in life, but not everything. There's a lot of things aren't covered in Scripture, and by His Spirit, His Spirit inside us, He leads us and guides us if we will depend upon Him and surrender to Him. You know, Romans 8.14 says this. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Part of the spiritual life is asking the Spirit, Lead me, Lord. I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's a posture of listening and surrender. It's the prayer of the young Samuel. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the young Samuel who said, Speak, Lord, your servant listens. And that comes in solitude and silence. Lord God, what do I need to hear from you? I, that's a prayer for me about every morning in one way or the other. It's a prayer we need to as we, Lord, lead me with your Spirit. He leads us in the right paths. And, and we need a shepherd to lead us or we're going to hurt ourselves. So... He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for His namesake. And then, perhaps the grand line of all, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I, I don't think I've done a funeral over the last 35 years hardly without this song because it is so comforting and life-breathing to people. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You're, it's like God saying to us this morning and in our valleys, or like David saying to, to God, Lord, because you're my shepherd, I won't fear. Because you are watching over me, because you are protecting me, because you are defending me, because you will fight for me, because you will see me through the valley, I will not give way to fear when fears cascade onto my heart. Lord, no matter what the difficulty or the danger or the darkness or the death, Lord God, you will be with me, right there with me. Lord, in the valley, you'll be beside me. You'll be behind me. You'll be in front of me. You'll be above me. You'll be below me. You'll be in me. You'll be surrounding me. He's right there with you. And church, when you realize that Jesus is right there with you, you know that you can make it through the valley. I will be with you. Maybe right now you're in a valley of loneliness or rejection or failure or fear or divorce or unemployment or cancer or depression or addiction or physical pain or financial ruin, overwhelming grief, conflict in a close relationship, mistreatment and being misunderstood, all kind of valleys are out there. Maybe you're in one. Do you know that the shepherd is right there with you? He's right there with you every step of the way. He says to you, I will be with you. Whatever it is, I am right there beside you. You know, when Jesus came to the planet, one of the very last things he said as the good shepherd, he says, and no doubt he just looked into the eyes of his disciples, and he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that is a promise for every single one of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, who trusted in a Savior rather than our religion. I am with you always to the end of the age, every moment and every step of the way. Now, it's interesting that the psalm begins with he and his. Third person, pronouns. He leads me in the right paths. He restores my soul. He and his. But then when it comes to the valley of the shadow of darkness, it's like David shifts gears and speaks directly to God, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He speaks directly to God. There are times to talk about God, but oh, there are times that we talk to God in direct prayer. Also, do you see that verse 3 says that God's going to lead us through the right paths, and in verse 4, one of those right paths is the valley of the shadow of darkness. Do you know that even in the valley of the shadow of darkness, that that can be a right path for you if the shepherd's leading you? that He will redeem it, He will see you through it, He will bring good out of it for you. Sometimes the shepherd's right paths include dark valleys, hard valleys, but He will see you through. Last week when we started the psalm, I encouraged you, encouraged me, us, 
that whenever we're assailed by worry, rather than giving way to worry, that instead we do this. We go to the very first line of Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 1, and over and over we, re we repeat to ourselves, remind ourselves, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And, and I just keep reminding myself. This week in verse 4, whenever fears assail you, which they do nearly every day, that we remind ourselves of verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Yes, Lord, for you are with me. Jeff, understand this. You are with me. The Lord is with me. And over and over. In fact, the whole song is a good one to claim in the dark times of life. He goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, that, that's a little bit odd because we might think of the, the rod and the staff as maybe something like weapons or something to hurt. But, oh, no, they are weapons to protect the sheep and to hurt the bears and the lions and the wolves, to protect the sheep. The, the rod would be uh, about two foot, two feet long, wooden uh, oak uh, knot on the end of it that, you know, it could do some damage. And, and you know, when David was a little boy, uh, as a shepherd with his father's sheep, he said at times the bear or the mountain lion would come and, and, and the Lord would deliver him out of my hands. He would had that, that rod, rod there, and uh, that would be a comfort. My shepherd's got a rod. He can do some damage. He can trample death and sin and Satan and give us rescue. The staff would be this long thing with a crook, and so if the sheep got in a difficult place, the, the shepherd could reach down and kind of pull him out or maybe in a thicket and kind of help him out. It, these were his comfort. Uh, these were both symbols of God protecting us and comforting us. And, and God does that for us. He does that for us. Oh, so often he uses other people. Uh, if you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, don't withdraw from people. Let the, let the church love you, and, and they, they, the church will become God's staff for you. And God uses other people, but, but the rod and the staff of God are there to comfort us. His Spirit, His Word, His people, He uses all, all of those things. There was a pastor in Washington, D.C. who was a medical doctor. He felt called to be a pastor, so he left medicine, promising career, become a, a, a pastor. Uh, might need to take an IQ test on that, but if God let him, that's good. His wife gets a very aggressive breast cancer after making this move. Uh, he starts a church that folds. The insurance company with the aggressive cancer says, no, this was pre-existing, and they wouldn't cover it. I mean, it was a dark valley for this young family. And this is what he talks about in light of Psalm 23. His name was Peter Chin. He said, I devoted my entire life to serving God, giving up a promising career in medicine to become a pastor. As a result, God was supposed to protect us against the worst that the world could offer, but He hadn't. He had allowed my wife to get aggressive breast cancer. Then only a few years after its founding, the church plant was forced to close its doors. Our home was broken into twice, our car more times than I can count. I never expected our lives to be perfect, but this was too much to bear. I felt betrayed by God because He had broken His promises. Now, this might seem strange for a pastor to say. After all, Jesus obeys His Father, and yet He is persecuted and suffers harshly. The, dis the disciples follow in the footsteps of their Lord, and they experience suffering. 
And as a pastor, I understood these truths. But despite all my good theology and good intentions, here I was struck by a sense of God's betrayal. Maybe you've been there. Peter Chen goes on to say, I was forced to acknowledge that God had never promised that my life would be pain-free and that I would never endure the common hardships of a broken world. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God has not promised to shield us from the valley of the worst, the valley of mourning and even of death, even of cancer. He promises only when we encounter these valleys, He will be right there with us. His rod and His staff, the hallmarks of His presence will comfort and encourage us. He says often we feel betrayed by God because He fails to do, he fails to do the things we ask of Him in the way we want, on the timetable that we want. It says, and this kind of response will be justified if we served a God who is like a customer service agent dedicated to pleasing us and placating us. But of course, that's not God at all. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He does not do our bidding, and He does not cater to our whims. He's wild. He's God. He said, to be honest, he did not answer a single prayer in the way that I had asked. But instead, he gave me things so much deeper and richer. It was as if I had asked for a rhinestone and he gave me a precious diamond instead. And only a fool laments the absence of a rhinestone if there is a precious diamond in his hand. Church, if you walk with a shepherd, if you choose to trust your shepherd, no matter how dark the valley, God will see you through, and He will bring diamonds out of it for you. He will redeem it. Some way, somehow, sometime, He will redeem it and show Himself faithful and true. Church, this week as I study this passage, and I was praying and thinking about it. This was my burden. My burden was that we would hear this very familiar psalm, but that we would trust our shepherd more and more, that we would not be people who, when we get to the storms of life, we're like practical atheists, and we forget our faith and forget trusting God. But, oh, no, we would be like the people of God down through the centuries, down through the pages of the Bible, who trust their shepherd be such a man or woman, boy or girl. I will, by His grace, trust my shepherd, whatever happens. The kind of people who learn it does not ultimately matter what the valley of the darkness is, but who goes with you through the valley. Be people who learn and believe that they can trust God's goodness no matter what and know God's peace and not give way to fear because ultimately you know it does not matter what the valley is, but who goes with you through the valley. And know that Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, he's right there with you the whole time, the whole time. Can you hear the voice of the shepherd in your life saying, I'm going to be there, I'll be there. I will be right with you. Maybe you're going through a valley that's scary this morning. Maybe you've got one coming up. Hear the voice of the shepherd. I will be there. I will be there. 
we're going to close with a, with a story from a young couple in our church. Last June, they lost a two-year-old daughter. And you can imagine what a valley that that has been. And they have learned and they are learning to trust that God is good and their shepherd will walk with them every step of the way. Watch this video. Since the day I became a mother, I prayed a simple prayer. Lord, please protect my children. Please protect their lives, hearts, and minds. I can't tell you how many times since the accident I have questioned our Lord as to why He did not answer this prayer. pulls up and the fire department pulls up you know and they they come down our driveway and they start working on her and they said what well, have you got you know you're gonna go with us the, the whole trip there you know I was I just praying to God you know just please you know she doesn't deserve this she doesn't deserve any part of this just take me whatever you have to do just take me don't let her go through this pain don't let her go through this suffering she doesn't deserve any of this I thought I was, you know, this strong, big, tough football coach, and I just collapsed, just dropped to the floor and couldn't, couldn't stand up. I saw Sadie on the table. I saw Lindsay holding it together better than I ever could have thought about doing. Her mom in there, Jeff and Gail in there, you know, all holding hands, all, you know, over the table looking at Sadie, who looked beautiful. Even in that, in that moment, she looked amazing. I laid on the floor for what felt like three hours, you know, and it was probably more like 10 or 15 minutes and the nurse tried to come over and say, you know, you need to stand up and do something. And I yelled at the nurse and I said, you just need to leave me alone. And she said, well, what can I do for you? I said, you can get away from me is what you can do because I don't need you right now. Well, what do you need? I don't know what I need, but I need you to leave me alone. And so I finally got the strength to get back to my knees, you know, and I just laid there with my head on Sadie's chest for probably an hour, you know, and just told I was sorry. Because, I mean, I thought that it was my fault. You know, and there's a, there's a small piece of me that will always believe that it was my fault. I held her, I picked her up and I held her. And I prayed, I said, God, you've been so good to us. And I knew I had a choice, and I could choose to turn my back on him and walk away and say, everything you've ever blessed me with means nothing to me now. Or I could choose that he is still good, so good, even in our darkest, darkest time. And by far, this was it. We got to bed that night, and I, and I couldn't sleep. You know, it's, it's in that moment for me, you know, you blame God. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to pray about anything. He's got something against me or he's punishing me for something. And if you're going to punish me for something and you're going to take away one of my children, then I don't need you. You know, and, and that's how I felt. 
And that anger and that frustration kept building up and it kept building up. When things start to settle down, people stop coming. Um, that's when reality sits in and that's when you go, okay, now what? Jeff grabbed me and he said, hey, let's get away from the girls. Let's go out on the back patio and let's just talk. You know, let's talk to God. Let, let's, let's, let's find out what's really going on within you. Man, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling helpless. I'm feeling scared. He said, okay, what do you want to, what, what, what are we going to do about this, God? And, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, yeah, tell me, please, what, what, what are we going to do about all of this? And I still couldn't hear anything. And, and I said, Jeff, I can't, I can't, I can't hear anything. He said, well, what do you want? I said, Jeff, I just want to know my daughter's okay. That's all I want. I just want to know that Sadie's okay. And he said, let's take everything that you're hanging on to right now in this moment and let's just take it to the cross. I'm feeling guilty, you know. Oh, I, I feel like it's my fault that this has happened. You know, I'm hanging on to, you know, depression, anxiety, addiction, you know, everything that you can think of. God, I'm hanging on to all of this. And, and Jeff said, okay, good, let's put it in the bag and let's take it to the cross right now. And then in that moment, I felt like this just complete, just calming force. And I, I heard God tell me, she's okay. She's with me and she's okay. And then I just lost and I started crying. And I said, Jeff, I can hear God. And of course now Jeff's crying because he had been through all of this with me. And he said, God, we're not done. What else? What else? And then a moment later, I heard Sadie's voice just, hi, daddy, I'm okay. And then I lost it again. And then, but I, you know, I, I'm bawling back there, but I, I just feel this sense of comfort. You know, I had finally gotten what I was looking for. One morning I was sitting in my chair and I was just journaling and I said, you know, God, I'm struggling with this question. Um, why did you not protect her when I, I specifically prayed for years? For protection and before I had finished the sentence I felt God and he just said why would I protect her from heaven and it just clicked and I and I I said out loud you're right you're right this is this grieving is I'm, I'm grieving for me I'm grieving for the loss of my daughter in my life and I'm grieving for for my future and what I thought I had with my three kids with my daughter with our family of five I'm not grieving for her day to day is still very hard you know there's still a lot of struggles we have an empty bedroom with princesses in there that it's hard um, we have two little boys Michael and Cole that ask questions and those questions can sometimes just rip your heart out God is he's put us here and he's been with us every step of the way. He's guided everything that we've done from the moment it's happened. And he's put the right people in our lives to help us get back to him and to see the love that he really has for us. It's, it's not about being the best Christian. It's not about being the worst Christian. It's, it's about trusting God 
in every aspect of our life. God is hope. He walks with us every step of the way. He says, God is hope, and he walks with us every step of the way. That is just as true for you if you know the shepherd. And it will be true for the rest of your days. And could I ask you, in the valley of darkness that you go through, will you, like Trent and Lindsay, choose to trust the shepherd? Will you choose to trust the shepherd, and know that he is right there with you every step of the way. Church, to express uh, our love as a church family for Trent and Lindsay, I want them, I want you to remain seated for a few moments. A little bit later, you're going to want to stand for their sake. But I want them to stand alone and turn around and just uh, express your love to them. Trent and Lindsay, would you please stand and turn around and face the people. You can stand now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Could you sit, be seated? And Trent Lindsay, as I said the first service, what we're expressing here is because most of the folks don't know you personally, but what you're expressing is we care about you because we're part of the same family of faith. And I would encourage you as God brings them to mind to uh, pray for them, that God would continue to heal their hearts. You know, some of you have gone through loss. Maybe it looked a little differently, but you've gone through loss. Some of you have lost a child. Some of you are close to others who have gone through this kind of loss. Know that um, in the video, Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins, who... Uh, God used so much for them in healing prayer and just being there and loving them. That Jeff and Mackenzie, uh, they were part of our church family. They lost a, a precious daughter a few years ago. They, they, they were sent by us to Ecuador as missionaries. After a few years there, they, they moved back to the area. They live over on the east side by one of our church plants, Declaration, where they're part of. And, and God has led them to start a ministry to help folks who've lost a loved one, particularly lost, lost kids. Hope Family Cares. And they'll be having a booth out there. Trent and Lindsay are, are very involved with this ministry. And, and if you personally or you have someone else that you know of who's lost a loved one, then be sure and, and make yourselves, uh, make, uh, be sure and access their resources. Also, when we pray in a few moments, the prayer partners, they would love to pray with you about anything at all in your life, but particularly those of you that felt that the, the video story was just a little bit too real and too powerful, and something stirred up in you that you're not sure what it's about, be sure and come and let us pray with you. Because as you just saw in the video, when you allow people to pray over you, uh, God shows up in a special way. So church, would you stand as I lead us in prayer? First of all, if you're here in the room, you've never trusted a good shepherd who came to this earth ultimately to die for you and to pay for your sin. If you've never trusted him right now, all you need to do is just say, yes, Jesus, come and save me. Whatever your words are, your heart is what matters. Just put your trust in a Savior. He'll save you. Lord God, for those in the room who are in the, the midst of a dark valley right now, 
of, of all kinds, Lord God, would you please pour out mercy and grace upon their hearts. Let them know you're right there with them. Let them know you've got this. You've got this. And you're the God of hope. Lord, we bless you in Christ's name. Amen.